So do you like to watch any scary movies this time of year? Do I like to watch scary movies? I know you like movies and film in general, but are you I, a, a I, horror movie guy? I am a fan of the 1950s B movies. The bad ones. B for bad? No, B, were, oh. they were cheap. Oh, yeah. And uh, no great special effects. I do not like slasher movies. Sure, that gets to be much. And I certainly do not like the demonic type thing movies. Oh, we watched one last year. Those are probably the scariest to me. Yeah, I don't like to watch those. But I love the ones like the the original The Fly or The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Or uh, what the, the original The Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah some of the, you don't know about the original one. Well, I mean, I know, I know what you're alluding to. I've yeah. never seen it. Yeah. Last year we watched The Conjuring on Halloween. It was, it was a great movie for Halloween night. But it it was probably it was pretty scary. But we're we're a little early talking about Halloween. I, it's just the season. We're we are in the midst of one of people's favorite times of year. Yeah. Did you know this year there are five Sundays in October? I did. And we do the uh, October head count. the The church has done a count of everybody who comes to every mass. Uh, every. Sunday during the month of October, and then we come out with an average of what the attendance is per weekend. We're going to do the same with the podcast, the average of all two people. Well, no, we're up to six, remember? Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Including us. Yeah. But no, I, I six besides us. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, I was looking at the form, and it includes the 31st Halloween is a Sunday. Yeah. You're going to get to where we, I said a couple of weeks ago, wear your costume to mass. He's looking. No, he doesn't no, like that idea. I don't like that idea at all. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about something sacred. And we do know that the 31st of October is the 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time. Yes. You, you did say that in Just the like we, recording. Yeah, we had, and we had the 26th on the 26th back in September. Okay, so this week is October 10th. And we have the 28th. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't it, always work. It doesn't work well. Um, but yeah, it's, this is a fun month. I was just asking because I enjoy, I only really like listen, watching scary movies during the month of October. The rest of the year I could leave them, but I'll take them during October. Okay. So come on over. I, we'll I, watch I, I like suspense. I like old fashioned suspense, like, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's suspense. Well, and you know, really what makes a scary movie? Okay. What makes a scary movie? The music a hundred percent. That's it. That's what builds the tension. If you were to watch a scary movie and mute it. It would not be as scary. In in your mind, it's always about the music. The music, it just builds. When something jumps out at you, notice how loud and quick the music gets to evoke oh, that yeah. response. Oh, yeah. But that's a little cheap. They, it should be scary on its own without the music suddenly alerting you. Okay. Well, let's make a movie. We'll try it. Okay. Right. <laughs> you, be, you be the music and I'll be the actor. You be the scary. <laughs> okay. All right, friends. So this weekend, guess what? We're still in the Gospel of Mark. Of course we are. It's the year of Mark. And we're still in chapter 10. On the 10th. Ha ha. Oh, there we October go. 10th. We got something. And We're uh, picking right up where we left off last th week. This is a long reading that also is broken into a couple of parts. So you might we're going to do the whole reading now, but you might not get the whole reading at Sunday Mass. I'm going to do the first part about the young man. By the way, he's not called young. There's a man comes running up to Jesus. We always assume it was a young man. Why? I don't know. It's always been pictured as a young man, uh -huh. but it doesn't really say that. Then you're going to do the second part where Jesus looks at his disciples. Okay. And then I'm going to come back in where Peter talks about 
and says, well, look at us. Okay. okay. Are right. we ready? So we'll do it. In, it's three parts, and this we is, are dramatizing the three parts. Sounds like a three-part play. Yeah. Uh, it's three actually three, three scenes. That's it true. is three important scenes, but they're all from Mark chapter 10, and they are sequential, verses 17 to 30, right. which is pretty long. Places, people. Places. Uh, enter stage right. <laughs> As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witnesses. witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. The man replied and said to him, Teacher, all of these things I have observed from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You are lacking in one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At that statement his face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. So Jesus again said to them in reply, Children, how hard it it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For human beings... It is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. Peter began to say to him, We have given up everything and followed you. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, there is no one who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So do you want to have a hundred times more houses and brothers and sisters? Well, I don't have any sisters. I always wonder what how life would be different if I had a sister or two. For the better, of course. You know, it's like the person, you know, who's a twin and somebody said, "What's it like to be a twin?" And the person said, "Well, I've never not been a twin, so how can I say?" Sure. You know, I can't I can't I don't have a reference point. They don't know any different. And same thing, if you didn't have a sister, you don't have a reference point. Correct. Yeah. Actually, in some ways that can be applied in many situations. We we're coming to realize our youngest daughter has never known a normal school year outside of COVID from the time she was in preschool is when COVID began. And now she's in first grade. She doesn't know anything different than all the crazy different things. Someday she's going to have to go to school for a whole year. Yeah. (laughs) Without a mask on. Yeah. Or going on a computer. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't know any different. And so in some ways the reality that we live in, uh, shapes our sense of what is normal. In fact, one of my friends, his name is Bob. He has 
uh, a podcast that he does. And the, the exact title is escaping me. I think it's just called This Is Your Normal or This Is Normal. Um, but he interviews different people and just talks to them about what is normal to them because the situation and the life that they grew up in feels very normal, whereas what I know as normal would be abnormal to them. Yeah. I think it's very, it's a very interesting premise to learn about what people know as normal. So same thing here uh, in terms of our, our family or what we know. Um, it's very normal to us. Of course, there, this is also just, as we've noticed noted the last couple of weeks, Jesus uses hyperbole, sure, which was part of the style of talking in those days. So it wasn't just Jesus' style, but everybody did. Sure. So a hundred times more. All right, so here we are, third week in a row of pretty heavy scripture readings. Well, it, it gives the commandments. And again, for the people listening, this was not new. Thou shalt not kill, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, defraud. Uh, and the honor of your father and mother. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you asked the question, why do we think of this as a young man who comes running up to Jesus? I Well, as you were reading, he talks about that he observed all of these commandments from his... From his youth. Ex- I think that's the part. You're right. That's where yeah. where we kind of so, assumed so it. I like the part where Jesus looked at him and loved him. Yeah, you emphasized that well yeah. while you were reading it. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. This is a tragic story because he was so close. He was so close to something great. Mm. I remember, oh, what was his name? Bishop Untner, who's now deceased, but he was bishop uh, up in up in Chicago. Um, Michigan, Saginaw. Okay. And he was giving a talk to priests one time, priests of our diocese. And he said, there's a real tragedy that so many priests are close to being great, but they don't make, they don't take the final step. That uh, you could be great, but you just settle for something less. What a challenge. And then he said, uh, it's like, uh, oh, who was the guy? Um, my mind just went blank. The um, he was Secretary of State under a couple of different presidents, but he was originally born in Germany. Okay, and he spoke with a strong German accent. Okay, and he said he referred to them, referred to him, and he said it's almost like him almost speaking English. Oh, <laughs> you know, we're so close, but we don't quite make it. Sure, uh, that's that's a a bold challenge. I mean, it, of course, it could be extended beyond priests but we we need our priests to be great so that they can uh shepherd and instill the gospel in the people and, that and they this serve. man even if he wasn't young he had something good going for him he had kept the the laws and yet there was a um an obstacle mm-hmm. and the wealth became the obstacle so that was the first part that i read then you read the part when jesus said to the disciple disciples how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus goes on to emphasize that. Now, I I do remember Jim Huffman, Bishop Huffman, who was one of our bishops and a very, very good guy. I remember him saying probably more than once, but I remember very clearly one time he said, my experience is when the clergy get wealthy, it's detrimental to the church. Hmm. 
And unfortunately, we've seen this happen, not so much with priests, because we really aren't wealthy, but sometimes people live a pretty uh, wealthy lifestyle. Sure. But we definitely see that with televangelists, you know, when some of them become wealthy, and that's when things fall apart. Yeah. It, it's almost like these two things do not work together. Well, and there are, you know, there are different categories too. Diocesan priests do not take a vow of poverty as a some of the religious orders do. Cor- correct, yes. So, you know, there I think there is a difference there. But there's a huge difference between living lavishly and in excess uh, or living comfortably and, you know, providing there, for yourself. There's a big difference. There's also the problem with how much do I want versus how much do I need? Hmm. And I am finding the older I get, there's certainly a lot less that I need, but I also find myself not really wanting things that much. It's because we've provided everything you could ever desire. Yeah. Friendship. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Love. Support. Back to that whole concept of normal, you know, growing up in the Midwest and the United States of America you know, what is normal to us is to have running water and plumbing and grocery stores that have food in them and things like, you know, things that we would take for granted where as people in other parts of the world would walk into an American grocery store and their jaw would probably hit the floor. Oh, they, they would. Uh, I I took somebody from Central America to um, one of our big stores. Um, I don't know if it's Kroger or one of the others, but we walked in and the whole side of one row was boxes of cereal, different kinds of cereal. Yeah. And he just couldn't understand that. But not to point a finger, the same thing happened in our kitchen. And I, I was showing him around the kitchen. We opened some cub- cupboards and showed him the refrigerator. And in a very non-accusatory way, he said, there's so much food. Hmm. I mean, it was just like, and we usually have some some things in provisions kind of just in case. Yeah. In case I don't get to the store this week. Sure. Or just in case there's a, a blizzard or just in case. Eggs, bread, and milk. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the three, the the trinity of a snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I love e- eggs, bread, and milk. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. I don't that much. Mostly the eggs. That's why you, what happens to you in a snowstorm? I... I eat snow. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, but, y- y- you know, this whole sense of the normalcy of what we we depend on and what we know on a daily basis, how do we then, you know, because we are, we are, I would say, uh, privileged to be able to serve in a suburban parish. You know, I think even our reality in the suburbs is very different than our churches that are serving in in the city, you know, central city oh, ministries totally. and those types and of things. So I, how do we keep all of that in perspective? And, and, and I would dare say the majority of our people are not wealthy, but we all have the potential. We have education for one thing. Yeah. We're a highly educated parish. And that doesn't mean that we're... Um, it's because of our pastor. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, that doesn't mean there's anything good or bad about degrees, but it, it does pre, uh, allow you a pretty stable job and certainly uh, something to rely on in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have lots of people who have the potential of being in significant positions in their firm, whatever the company might be sure. uh, in the days ahead. So we, we are a parish 
with a lot of potential. That's, that's not bad. That's not good. That's reality. That's the reality you're talking about. That's the profile. And that is what we have to look at with a, a passage like this. So yeah, that's going to be my question. So how do we, we, we take the context of this scripture reading and apply it to our reality that are normal of what we know? And I, be, I believe a big part of it is summed up in one word, stewardship that we cannot claim all that we have. Sure. We are stewards. We are stewards of the earth. We are stewards of money. We are stewards of family. We are stewards of the the faith. And we have responsibility to take good care and then pass it on to others. Sure. And time, what we do with oh, our time. Oh, stewards of time. Oh yeah. I think many people are more fussy about main, you know, keeping their uh, time to themselves than they are for their money. You know, I remember somebody, I was at a, a, a conference and the speaker was talking about world hunger. And right away, somebody raised his hand and he said, I want to write a check, a sizable check. To whom do I write it? Mm-hmm. And she, the speaker just shocked him by saying, I don't want your check. Mm. That's going to make you feel better. I, I don't want you to feel better. Yeah. I want you to struggle with this. You know, how many times, I know you, you've experienced this, have we gone on a mission trip and to be immersed in someone else's reality and somebody else's day-to-day existence, whether it's in another country or at the Southern border or just in, you know, a few hours away in Appalachia, it really puts perspective on what we get to do on a daily basis. And many people, the first time or two, they just come back feeling very guilty. Like I should not even enjoy what I have. Well, guilt is not a good motivator, right? And you don't you do want to make a difference to somebody else, but not out of guilt. Mm-hmm. I have found two things I normally do. One is I review my own lifestyle. You know, why am I doing what I'm doing, and am I throwing things away, and do I really need to buy uh, another pair of hiking boots? You know, that kind of thing. Well, you always need to have two at a time, not pair, but two boots. Because you have two feet. I do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I buy usually two at a time. Oh, good. good. But uh, the other thing I do is I try to say, is there a way I can help that will where the money actually goes there? A lot of people are very generous, mm-hmm. but they don't want to give just to overhead. They sure. don't want to give to some big conglomerate where the money just never shows up at the uh, at the door of the people who need it. Yeah. That's why people love to support us when we go down to Guatemala because we take the money right with us and it goes directly to the mission. Yeah. I, I know when a friend of mine was in Zimbabwe, people used to love to give to him because he was right there in the bush uh, working with uh, the Batanga people. Sure. So people are generous, but you don't want it just to be thrown away or making somebody else uh, rich. Yeah, lining somebody else's pocket with... Yeah. With, and then the percentage of what you give yeah. goes to where you think it's going. Yeah. For sure. I like that. You know, almost like taking an assessment of where am I spending money? How is it? What What is it being used towards? Well, that's why stewardship also says right off the top, take some money and set it aside every single week, every sure. single month, every single paycheck. Yeah. You know, you I, I always do it at least once, always in January and sometimes in the fall as well. I look at how much I'm giving to different organizations and I try to figure out what percentage that is of my income. Sure. And I try to go by percentage because if I'm just giving the same thing I gave 10 years ago, 
it may not be a very good percentage anymore. Right. What about, you know, people that are listening and think, I just, I don't have excess that I can be giving away. You know, I'm barely scraping by to provide for my family. And right. Living paycheck to I'll, paycheck. I'll give, the, I'll give the example of my oldest sister. She's deceased. She and her husband, when they were married, they had heard a talk about uh, tithing a percentage of income. And they decided as a young couple to do that. And I didn't know this till many years later, she told me. They ended up having eight children. Wow. And some of the time she was able to work out of the home, sometimes not. And her husband was a mechanic, so that's, we're not talking about real lucrative income. Yeah. But they continued to do it their whole life. And I thought that was a blessing that, you know, when they started it, they probably had no idea that it was going to help them. And her comment was, we never missed it because it was taken off the top from the beginning. Sure. If you only give away what's extra, it's not going to be there. You know, it's not this weekend's gospel, but, you know, we always hear about the woman that gave. You know, yeah, the, the, the mite. The, the two gold coins. The, or, the widow's mite. Yeah, um, which is another great example of this. I like the psalm for this weekend. You know, I always go to the psalm because... Because that's what your job is. We get to sing it. It's always it's always fun to, to do the psalm. But the psalm this weekend isn't about filling ourselves with wealth. It's about filling us with love. So the response we'll sing this weekend is, Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. And so sometimes instead of putting our eyes on material things, we need to be investing in spiritual things. So let's have a joyful week. Fill us with some love. Okay. We're going to make a little snappy tune out of that. Okay. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys. Take care.